Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, Razorback fans. Welcome to another episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. And tonight we are going to be doing a preview of the Texas A&M game. I'm your host, Porter Hayes, alongside me, Adam Hall. And we're always brought to you by Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark and Bet Online. that continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone, head on over to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use your promo code BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts, and we head on over to the Metters hotline and bring in Travis Brown from the Eagle, covering everything Texas A&M. Um, here we are, another same juncture of the football season where we have another showdown in Dallas between Arkansas and Texas A&M. Of course, A&M coming off a convincing win over Auburn and Arkansas losing in a heartbreaker against LSU. And uh, first of all, thank you for coming on. And j- just talk about your thoughts heading into this game. Texas A&M, of course, we could talk about Bobby Petrino and, and, and the you know similarities right there. But what, what y'all's thoughts heading into this game against Arkansas? Yeah, I mean, every time that this game gets played, it, it seems to be a little bit nutty. Uh, something crazy happens in the game, whether it's, you know, late interceptions or field goals off the upright or uh, any kinds of craziness. So I think that always plays into it. Um, I, I was talking to some writers walking back from the press box the last time, and I said, you know, yeah, Arkansas has has uh, two and two. There's been some games that they've, they've struggled. They played good against LSU. But before that LSU game, I said, listen, this Arkansas team is going to come in with, with a head of steam into this A&M game because it always seems that way. It doesn't matter what the team's records are. It doesn't matter what they're ranked or not ranked or what TV slot the game's in. It's going to be down to the wire. It's going to be crazy. And so I'm always excited to see what happens in Jerry World uh, every every year. Um, the craziness from the A&M side, of course, is the quarterback situation. The Connor Wegman, who is one of the uh, highest rated quarterbacks, you know, when you look at PFF and things like that coming in, uh, to week three, he gets injured in uh, that game against Auburn and uh, doesn't look like he's going to be able to go this weekend. It's probably going to be Max Johnson. Uh, so, uh, all again, always storylines, always something crazy when it comes to the baggies and the hogs. And I was talking with Adam when we were previewing the season as a whole, and usually Arkansas has to play AM their very first SEC game, and how it always plays out and especially last year that that the field goal and just how it kind of just catapulted Arkansas down this downward trend I was like okay maybe playing LSU first kind of gives them a spark they played really well bounced back against uh you know their performance against BYU and 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 the same thing we could talk about Texas A&M you know getting to play an SEC game before this one how what do you think the difference is when it comes to A&M getting their you know, SEC game against Auburn, does that have any difference or, or any caveat coming into this Arkansas game? 
I mean, yeah, anytime you can see uh, some some stiffer competition heading into uh, SEC play. I mean, usually A&M is coming off of uh, ULM or Abilene Christian or something like that heading into the Arkansas game where reporters, fans, maybe even coaches still don't completely know what they have. I think with that game against Miami uh, and, and how A&M was bounced back against Auburn, there, there's a better idea heading into this Arkansas game. I, I'd venture to say, though, that that Auburn team is going to be one of the, the – the, by the bottom of the SEC West, if not the, the whole SEC, that's not a great offensive line, and they still have some things to work on in Hugh Freeze's first year. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that um, – there is something to getting a little bit of that warm up, um, and especially if you're if if it's looking like how it's going to be, and A and M's going to go with Max Johnson. He got a whole um, half of of football against an SEC opponent to kind of get back into the swing of things after not winning that starting job out of camp. I think that probably plays the most into it, if of, of anything. You know, we saw Max Johnson last year against Arkansas. I think he went eleven for twenty one for a buck fifty. How is his progression say from last year to this year I know coming in you know as a backup but how has he progressed yeah you know it's a small sample size but he does look like a more polished quarterback um one of the first plays he was in there you know there was always that question with him of of is he going to work through the progression and and is he going to go ahead and just tuck and run when he needs to tuck and run like the second or third play out there he tucked ran picked up a first down with his feet and then the other question always was the deep ball. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. if I were correct, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he only uh, threw about five passes over 20 yards in the time mm-hmm. he played last year uh, and only connected on, I think, one of them, if I'm not mistaken. And so uh, this year already he had a, a 23-yard, excuse me, 33, no, excuse me, 23-yard touchdown pass to his brother who's a tight end, Jake Johnson, uh, right out of the first drive out of uh, halftime came back the next drive and was able to hit on a, uh, a over 30 yard pass beautifully laid in ball mm-hmm. over two defenders into Evan Stewart's arms for a touchdown. So it's a small, again, small sample size and against a not so great Auburn team, but uh, he does seem like in some of those, in, those uh, spots that he struggled with last year, he's improved. And what do you think? I mean, cause of course, you know, outside looking in, there was a lot of talk of, not so much hot seat, but seats starting to kind of warm up for for Jimbo. And coming in, bringing in, of course, Bobby Petrino, who went to UNLV for a week. Maybe I don't even know if he paid his deposit on his his apartment yet. But what do you think, how hard has it been for really this team to pick up his offense? I mean, the adjustments and coming into this and have they, you know, what percent do you think they are familiar with how he wants his offense ran? Well, to start off with first, I know if I spent any more than about four days in Vegas, I'd go you know, bankrupt. <laughs> so maybe it was smart to get out of there as fast as he could. Um, but, yeah, it, it does seem like things have, have meshed well. I mean, you look at Jimbo Fisher's offense. It was going to be 11 personnel, 12 personnel, sometimes 21, but it, 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 it was going to stay within those personnels. They're going to stay within those personnels for multiple plays on a drive. They are going to play a whole package. This year, you're already seeing guys, they're, they're doing 10, 11, 12, 21, sometimes 31s, uh, empty a couple times. Actually, the, the play where Connor Wigman uh, got hurt last week, they were in empty, backed up on their own, like three-yard line with Connor in uh, the, uh, the end zone. He was able to complete the pass to give them some room, but 
uh, took a shot from a, a free blitzer. Uh, and so you, you see that the formations, the packages, the different personnels, the substitutions that go along with that, it's, it's gone very smoothly. And, and it has been a very different look for most of the times than Jimbo Fisher, who was a lot, you know, a lot of established the run early to build into the play action pass to hit a lot of tight ends on, on short, you know, out routes and stuff. They're making their crossing patterns all over the field. Guys going deep. I mean, uh, in the uh, New Mexico game, again, New Mexico, Connor Wegman uh, hit through a five passes over 20 yards in that game. In the year prior, he hit five passes for over 20 yards the entire time he played in the five games he played last year. Uh, so a lot more vertical threat. They're passing it a lot more. They're a little bit more pass heavy than, than run heavy or, or, or balanced. Um, but when you have the wide receivers AM has and you had at least the quarterback and Connor uh, Wegman that they had, it would make sense to throw the ball around because that's where the, the strong suits are. So, yeah, you can definitely see a change from what they were doing last year in Jimbo Fisher to what they're doing this year with Bobby Petrino. Is there much – I mean, I think a lot of the Petrino talk is really from the fans. I don't know how much it's actually being talked about within – um, the programs, but do you hear much from, I mean, is it kind of Bobby coming back to his home or a former team? Is there much talk about that from inside the program? Or is that really just more fan talk? I think it's more fan talk. You know, we don't actually get to talk to the, we only get to talk to the coordinators once early in the year. We don't get to talk to them on a weekly basis. So it's kind of hard to, to gauge that. You know, we asked Jimbo about it Monday. He, he kind of brushed it off saying, Oh yeah, you know, it's it, when you're a coach, you, you go visit other places you've coached before. It's just, part of the job. Um, so it's hard to get a gauge. I, I do know there is probably a lot more from the Arkansas side of a guy who is around there for a long time mm-hmm. and, and put them to, to some, some high heights um, that, that, yeah, that would be interested to see his, his return. He actually, it, it will probably won't be as many camera shots of him controlling mm-hmm. the sidelines. He's been in the press box and, and stays up there. It will be interesting actually to see, you know, he, he, when we asked him early in the season, whether he was going to be on the sidelines of the press box, he said it completely depended on the temperament of his quarterbacks. Uh, so Connor Wegman won the starting job. He trusted Connor Wegman to uh, lead the, the the offense down there, and he felt comfortable up in the press box. I would think with the more veteran savvy that Max Johnson has, he'll stay up in the press box, but something maybe to look out for. But, yeah, it, it's not something that we've even really had the access to kind of ask about or, or, or know much about, let alone know um, – if there was, you know, any talk about that within the locker room, but I, I would assume it's mostly a fan thing. And knowing that, you know, a few years ago, Texas A&M beating Alabama, and now you get them the week after Arkansas, seeing that they're down, I know, you know, coach speak and players speak, they're not going to say that we're looking ahead to Alabama. Do you think that, you know, just how Alabama's been performing lately, do you think now teams, say Texas A&M, really focuses a lot more time on Arkansas and not looking ahead because Alabama's a little bit down this year. Do you think that has anything – is there any merit to that at all? I, I would venture to get – this This AM team has won ball games, but especially when you look back at the Miami game and at times in the Auburn game, it, it has not necessarily been smooth sailing, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, A&M's secondary – uh, was torched against Miami and they couldn't 
pick up. Uh, Connor Wigman had some issues uh, uh, with his declarations and, and calling which way the line to slide. So that left a lot of guys running free at him. Uh, and he took some shots in that game as well. Um, and so even during the, the Louisiana Monroe game and at times during Auburn, I, I especially want to go back to Louisiana Monroe. There was times where that team, which is in, you know, the bottom third of all FBS teams was able to throw the ball around a little bit against A&M. And so I, I would venture to guess that there is still a lot of um, self-evaluation and self-installation uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I, I don't know if this AM team is good enough to be in that position right now where they can start looking ahead weeks ahead. I, I even don't know, again, especially on the defensive side of the ball, if they're in a spot where they're needing to do a whole lot of focus on, on Arkansas. It, it still needs to be building up and finding the guys, finding the 11 that they have there that, that does the best job in solidifying some of those fundamentals um, because – those have lacked at times uh, in, in some of the first four games. In preparation coming in, I mean, how does the defense – I saw Jimbo's comments um, that, you know, K.J. reminds him a lot of Cam Newton. Um, so how does the defense going and preparing with the unknown if Rocket Sanders is going to be there, K.J. Jefferson, the emergence of, you know, tight end, Luke has, um, you know, kind of what's going around defensively? Yeah, I'll be interested to see kind of how they do this uh, in, in their formation. I know – um, in years past, they've had a really strong linebacking core where they'll usually play do one of those speedy linebackers as a spy when you have a mobile quarterback. Um, but lately, the last two years under DJ Durkin, a lot of times they'll shift from a three-down lineman front to a four-down lineman front and walk or, 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 or lift a, one of the defensive ends up and, and use them as kind of a, a – zone coverage linebacker or stand-up edge rusher in different situations. So it'll be interesting to see if they use one of the linebackers as a spy for KJ Jefferson, which they're going to have to do, or if they use one of those defensive ends and kind of move him around uh, behind the line, beside the line, and go with a a three-man front. They did that a lot against Auburn, and they actually had a lot of success with uh, seven sacks, uh, even though most of A&M fans despise the three-man front. Um, they, They were able to to mix some, mix some stuff up and do that. So I, I do think um, if Arkansas can get on the roll throwing the ball, I know you'll have a, a really good uh, uh, tight end that was really good against LSU and maybe work some of those guys. It's going to mess with how they want to organize that spy on Jefferson. It could open some stuff up. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how they arrange that spy, what position group they use uh, to do that, because they're going to have to do it, and that's going to dictate – kind of what's open moving forward. Um, the other thing, too, DJ Durkin is, is not really uh, – the fans aren't really happy with his work so far, not only last season but to, to start this season, except for really the Auburn game last week. He, he calls a pretty conservative game. A lot of times when they do run that three-man front, they just rush three, and they'll drop that in uh, back into zone coverage. So uh, it, it's it, it'll be interesting to see if he gets a little bit more aggressive, dials up some blitz, make – life a little bit more uncomfortable for KJ or, or how they're going to do that. I, I he said before the season, he needed to get a little bit more aggressive with the play, play calling. I'll, I'll be interested to see how they uh, stack that up against Arkansas. And moving to the other side of the ball, you know, how is, you know, Texas A&M preparing for Arkansas defensively? Cause it's going to be a totally different look than it was last year. We've seen the pressure and the blitzes and, you know, they were able to do against LSU. So what is, what is, 
you know, Texas A&M as a whole, how are they learning to scheme against this new pressure that, that Arkansas is wanting to bring forefront uh, rush opposed to what they're used to with seeing with Barry Odom? Well, when, when uh, A&M faced Miami, that, that was one of the biggest keys of the game is the amount of pressure that Miami was able to get on Connor Wegman at quarterback. Um, some of that was running backs missing chips. Some of that, that was the offensive line not uh, you know closing the door, sliding over when there's a free man uh, blitzing. Some of that was on, like I said, it was on Connor Wegman for not uh, reading the defense right and calling the slides uh, for protection. And so um, I, I think one of the, the uh, strategies to try to beat this A&M team is to get pressure on the quarterback because the offensive line, while they've shown improvement from last year, and they've shown improvement as the season this year has gone on. That's still been the biggest question mark. Before the season started, when people asked me how good AM was going to be this year, I said it depends on the offensive line. If the offensive line steps up and gives the quarterback time, opens up some holes for the run game, they'll they'll be they'll, they'll be pretty good this year because they have the, the the skill players outside to to, to win some ball games, but if the offensive line is, is porous or if they let the quarterback uh, get take a lot of shots, not have a lot of time, um, that is ex- that is definitely a way that to, to beat this A&M team, and, and Miami uh, proved that. And, and the fact that uh, Max Johnson, should he be able to go, uh, can run and can get outside, but he's nowhere near as mobile and he's nowhere near as good as making the off-platform kind of running throws that Connor Wegman is able to do um, so the offensive line is going to have to step up even more to give him time and, and, and uh, give him some uh, relief from that pressure because he's a different quarterback than Connor Wegman. And, and moving, you know, to the fact that now we're leaning into the last few times that this game is going to be played in Dallas. What was the reaction on the Texas A&M side of things that finally this thing's going to be moved away from Dallas and be a home and home, and especially with the new divisions coming in and Texas and OU coming in. I know Arkansas really struggled that because we're one of the few teams that play in Little Rock. And, of course, if you play a Little Rock game and a Dallas game, that really hurts Arkansas when it comes to recruiting. How was the Texas A&M side when they learned that they're finally going to move this thing away way to a home-and-home home series? Yeah, I think even you can go back two or three years ago, I think the best word to, to put on it is there's been a fatigue um, from AM fans about the game being at AT&T Stadium. You know, it's it, it's not, yes, it's cool to be in the uh, NFL stadium. I'm sure the, the players, the coaches love it. The, the, the procedures to get your tickets, to get your parking, to get in, to tailgate, to, you know, try to get through the gates to get in, it's all different. It's usually all uh, convoluted. Uh, the ticket prices are at times more expensive. Um, it's It's just kind of, a little bit of a hassle, and I think there's a fatigue um, from AM uh, fans. But but I think there is a recognition too of the fact that if you take this neutral site game and put it in Fayetteville, a few of those years when AM was streaking through the win column, there were some of those wins that I don't think AM would have pulled off had it been in Fayetteville. Um, yeah. Having that neutral site and being away, not not at a true road environment, uh, probably was good enough for a wins for some wins for AM over the years. So there, there is a, a balance to it there, but you know, most of, of college football fans now, if they want to get on the road and drive somewhere to see a college football game, they want to experience another per school's, you know, pageantry and, and traditions and see what the tailgating scene is like. And, you know, I've been here covering AM for 
Uh, this will be my seventh season. I've never been to Fayetteville because it's always been uh, yeah. at AT&T Stadium. And the one time it was at Kyle Field uh, during the, the COVID season. So I think there's a fatigue. I think people are ready uh, to, to go see that environment and, and then to have uh, the Hogs come back to uh, uh, Kyle Field as well. And then if you talk to the athletic directors, of course, the biggest thing, the reason why this is, is happening and is going to go back to the, the, the campuses is because of the money. Yeah. Uh, it's just ex, it's easier, mm-hmm. exponentially easier to make you know, the, the boatload of money to have the recruits there to do that kind of thing when it's at the home stadium and not on the road. Don't get me wrong. Jerry's giving them a, 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 it's not, it's filling their pockets well with this contract, but it's not nearly what they can make on a, on a home weekend. And so that's the reason why this is happening. You, 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 the ADs want to have that other home game on campus. I always, you know, it's funny. I always compared it to, uh, the, there was a, a episode of, um, SpongeBob SquarePants, where he keeps on ripping his pants, and at the first it was funny and it was cool, and then the more he kept on doing it, the less exciting it was, and more people just like, oh, okay. And I again, you you nailed it right there with with the fatigue, I, even on the Arkansas side, especially with the the, the director the trajectory of the program, it's like the way we're going down. We need every home game we can get, so we can get on the recruiting, and it just seemed like with with the wind's not coming. We need every kind of, not excuse, but we needed to, we've been talking about that for years, about moving the game away from, from, Texas, or from Texas Stadium or AT&T Stadium. But, yeah, just what I wanted to ask you, too, go well, ahead. Well, and, and I'll come in with, with another point in that, too. And I know I actually talked to, to the great Bob Holt today about <laughs> some of the Arkansas stuff, and he mentioned that with Arkansas' schedule this year and with the way things go, they're, they're what uh, – five four or five weeks away from Fayetteville yes. in a row yes uh this season A&M went through that last year and when we were kind of asking uh administrators like why did this happen it all falls back on the fact that A&M and Arkansas are locked into that game at AT&T Stadium and they have to work around the the NFL schedules and and whatnot and it's usually right there at the beginning of the season and so there's usually a chance every every few years that because of the way they have to lock that game in, that one of the two teams is going to have this humongous road stretch. Last year for AM, if you want to throw the bye week in there, it was six straight weeks that they were away from Kyle Field right in the middle of the mm-hmm. season. I know I hated that because yeah. I was about ready to yeah, – I just lived out of a suitcase for six years. My, <laughs> my wife, she, she might have actually been, been happy about it. I don't know about <laughs> that, but uh, – yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy when that schedule. But the one person I did leave out, or the one grouping I left out of the people who might be tired, I don't think the reporters are necessarily tired from going to AT&T Stadium because you get that Jerry Jones special <laughs> macaroni and cheese in the press box every year. And my wife always tells me, you don't get sick. And I always go and get my full plate of normal food. And then I get a full plate of mac and cheese and yep. take it back to my uh, laptop. And by the end of the game, I'm just like, completely sick to my stomach, but kind of okay with it. So that will be the one sad part about the game moving away from AT&T Stadium. Well, I'm, I'm sure y'all had to find the recipe and, and, and make that <laughs> in, in each one of the, the visiting. Uh, but I want to end on this and just really how surprised are you with just what has happened to the SEC as a whole this year? You know, we're talking about fatigue and everybody outside of the SEC is loving kind of how down the SEC is and, and, just the NIL and the transfer portal, I mean, how much do you think that's really opened up the rest of college football? And it's not really just everything about the SEC anymore. I'll say this. I'm, I'm not so willing so yet to jump on the, 
the transfer portal has changed everything bandwagon yet. I want one more season because if you look around college football right now, and even outside of the SEC, you look at Alabama, uh, you look at Georgia, you look at uh, kind of Ohio State, but you can kind of take them out of there. Some of these big blue blue blood programs, it's a season where they they kind of missed on a quarterback. Yeah. Um, they, they, they just didn't replace the guy ahead of them with the next guy. It's, it's just a guy that, that isn't necessarily developing. And that's the reason why Nick Saban, why Alabama has been able to be so good for as long as they just didn't miss on recruiting the next year, another, they, they had another quarterback, they had another quarterback. And so I want to see next year when some of these programs can maybe pull in that new five-star guy hit the you know the the transfer portal for is, is it just a matter of it's a weird year and a lot of these programs missed on a key on a key position here or there recruiting when they haven't in the past and yeah there, there's there's kind of a venn diagram here i know some of these things will cross over when it talks about the transfer portal and whatnot but i i don't know if i'm confident in saying yeah 100 it's the transfer portal and that's why we have so much parity in the SEC around the country. I want to see if this is just an anomaly year or not. But that being said, there is a lot that's changed because of the transfer portal. There is a lot, you know, Colorado, easy uh, example of, of that. Um, heck, you, you look here in the state of Texas, Texas State goes and beats Baylor, and they have the second most transfers come in in the transfer portal. Uh, yeah. I, it's just, it's an interesting debate. It's something that I think people will study for a while now, am I leaning towards the fact that, yeah, the transfer portal really has changed things? Yes. Um, but I do kind of want to see if this is an anomaly season or if um, if this is really how it's going to be moving forward. And we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, just uh, uh, thoughts of the game and how do you really see th- this game playing out? And if you do have a, a Texas A&M victory, you know, what is the key to a Texas A&M victory? Yeah, well, it seems like you, you it, no matter who wins this game, you got to have at least one turnover or at least do plus one in the turnover battle. Um, that that seems to always play a huge part in this game um, is is the turnovers. Um, I, 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 I was very – you were spot on with what you were saying about uh, Arkansas's uh, pass rush. I, I do think that's going to play a huge uh, – the, 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 um, the matchup between Arkansas's pass rush and A&M's offensive line, their pass block – are they going to be able to adjust, um, especially if they blitz some guys and get real aggressive? Are they going to be able to adjust to that? Uh, and then Max Johnson, uh, it, it was last week. He looked fantastic last week in the second half of that game. It, has he really taken that step forward? Is he really that guy? Um, or was that just a really bad Auburn team and um, they were able to, to, to make things work? It, it's going to be interesting. I, I it's so hard. You know, there's, there's like last week I was confident in AM. I didn't think that was a good matchup uh, for, for Auburn with the Aggies. But anytime you go into this game with, with Arkansas, man, it, like I said, it doesn't matter the, the records or the rankings or how good or bad any, like it, it's always going to come down to the wire. Um, I, 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 we, we do, I, I haven't actually picked yet. Uh, so I don't, I haven't completely molded my thoughts on this. Um, for, for the sake of your show, I'll go ahead and say, yeah, I, it, it might be Arkansas if they play the way they did against LSU uh, this weekend, maybe by, by a field goal or, or, or something late. If AM's defense hasn't taken that next step forward, um, or if Max Johnson just isn't as sharp as he was last week, there's a, I think there's a lot more 
uh, variables for A and M than there are Ar- than for Arkansas in this game. And for that, I'll lean towards Arkansas, but that's subject to change when I make my picks in our paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know you got to go with your publication. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. And look, honestly, it, it's always a toss-up, you know. So mm-hmm. there really, when it comes to trying to pick this game, this is one of the hardest games every year to pick. It's always been a toss-up. But Travis, we really appreciate you coming on again, and hopefully, it, things come out in our favor th- this Saturday. But <laughs> once again. Thank you for coming on, and that will do it with this episode of our preview show against Texas A&M. Hopefully on Saturday we get a win, and we'll be talking about Arkansas getting back on track, and we will catch you on Sunday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.